0: Hi, and welcome to the first-ever Charlie McDennis Dynasty League podcast. I promised uh, our faithful commissioner that we would do one at the start of the season. And yeah, that never happened, so I, I apologize. But we're here, and we're doing it just in time for the playoffs. I will be your host, Eric, of the Birds of War. And I'm uh, very honored to have one of our co co. Uh, co- I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, another owner in the league. And your team is invincible, if I'm not mistaken, right, Fred? The gang, the gang gets invincible, yes. Okay, so our whole plan here is to kind of review everyone's team, see how you're doing now, for the future, whatever. Just quick, quickly go into some playoff discussion that we have two matchups to talk about. And to wrap up, we'll talk a little bit of Debbie for whatever we know. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Fred?
1: Uh, no, I think that, that pretty much covers it. Um, I, I'm fairly novice in all things. It's always sunny. Um, I've, I've seen the show. I've seen a season and a half, maybe. Um, so I don't know it probably as well as a lot of the people in the in the league, but it's a fun, fun concept, and some people have really gotten into it. I've seen the show. I've seen a season and a half, maybe? No.
0: Problem. Okay. I just had a little bit of inception because I had our the YouTube thing playing while you were talking. So I missed everything you said. I apologize.
1: It wasn't important.
0: <laughs> okay, but I, I heard you talking about It's Always Sunny and how good it is. I think I got that part. Uh, I, I think... I'm not sure. I heard they're taking It's Always Sunny down off Netflix? Um, I, I think
1: I read that from someone in our chat and, and I'm not happy about it because I need to catch up on a lot of seasons. Um, so we have to find some other way to get them.
0: Yeah. I, I, I've always watched them on Netflix. I kind of have been watching some new shows. I haven't been watching my reruns and it's always sunny. It's always up there, but I, I'm going to have to buy some like box DVD sets or subscribe to wherever they're going to be because I really do like the show. And I, I really need to, I mean, I've seen every episode, but I, I'm due for a rewatch because every time someone brings up something, I'm like, yeah, I think I saw the episode. I'm, I'm I'm terrible memory, <laughs> if you have noticed. I am terrible with remembering TV episodes. Okay, so I guess we'll just trade off talking about teams here. And uh, If I could actually have the document up. We're, gonna, we're just going to go in order as you find it on your MFL screen. And the first one we're going to talk about is the winner of the Kitten Mitten's division, Poppins the Indestructible. Uh, the, the owner's name is Julia, or some of us know her as Swan. She went 16-10. and 10. Uh, Not a bad start to the season, or the, the league, I should say. But anyway, her, uh, her key players here are Cam Newton, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Brown, And Marvin Jones, as per her normal strategy in most leagues, she has all of her picks. She generally doesn't trade them. And, uh, I mean, you can't blame her for her, I mean, 16-10. She might have even done better if she had this team from the start. She took over for the other woman that disappeared. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: this was like mid-draft too, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that the woman drafted Antonio Brown, then she clocked out on the second pick. And then, all of a sudden, like I guess uh, Andrew uh, scrambled to get a new owner, and Swan took over,
1: yeah, good on her I mean she she got to put kind of her own stamp on the on the on the team, but you know had to scramble a little bit to you know who wants Antonio Brown I mean what, what kind of a pick is that
0: yeah i'm I'm sure she's not complaining about that right now <laughs> i mean, uh, I know it was like the second pick and everyone's like, no one would take Antonio Brown second. But I mean, if he plays for, you know, as long as Larry Fitzgerald has been playing, who cares about how many years he's going to play? That's still a great pick. It's one of the best assets to have in the league.
1: Can't can't complain. I mean, it's I, I, I did a similar thing in, in the Marvel League where, you know, it was uh, super flex instead of single quarterback. But... Brown fell to me in the middle of the first round, and I said, sure, said, why not?
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the safest pick probably for any receiver uh, in any league you do, no matter what the rules are. But um, moving forward with our team, if we look at our Debbie asset, it is Gasecki, tight end out of Penn State, uh, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. And uh, why don't you bring us into uh, the highlighted trade for Julia?
1: Yeah, the only one uh, we have listed here is her trading away Mike Gillisley to get Tyler Croft in a fourth round pick next year. Um, I, I think I don't have her full roster here in front of me. I need to pull that up. Um, but Gillisley hasn't been stellar, um, but Croft has filled in really nicely for, for Tyler Eifert. He's been not a not a one-for-one, one, but maybe like 85%, 90% of what uh, Eifert will give you. So uh, in, in this league that is um, tight end premium, that that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the uh, as I'm looking at her roster, I have it up right now. She is the Greg Olsen owner in this league. So she needed one. Uh, I'm not sure when she traded for Cross because she also has uh, Kittle out in San Francisco. And I know he missed a week. Right around his bye week, so maybe it was just a, a depth trade. She was able to trade away Mr. Uh, Gillis Lee, who kind of, you know, you, as you said, slowed down and was able to get a tight end. So uh, for someone who's notorious for not trading, good on her.
1: Yeah, this trade was made about a month ago um, in, uh, on November 9th. So this was, you know, kind of in the the push for the playoffs, and it, it was looking like. Olsen wasn't coming back soon enough, and Dwayne Allen was a big bust. Kittle was you know, here and there. So getting somebody who's a little more of a consistent scorer makes, makes a difference for her.
0: Okay, Fred, so why don't you bring us into our next team? Sure. Uh, so
1: uh, up next, we have the Jabronis. Um, they made the playoffs as our number six seed overall. Their key assets are Kirk Cousins, Leonard Fournette, Gronk, and golden tape. And this team has eight uh, twenty eighteen picks um, from rounds two through four. Debbie Asset is Christian Kirk from which A and M is this? Texas A and M?
0: Yeah, uh, Texas. A&M. Wide receiver.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, looks like a you know, as as solid of a team or as balanced of a team as you're gonna get in, in an eighteen team league. Um, with it's got somebody good at every at every position, which is hard to do. Uh, you want to talk about the uh, transactions?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, the the trade that's highlight that uh, we decided to highlight here was um, the Jabroni's given up their first round pick, and in return he received Dion Lewis, Danny Amendola, and a third round pick. And uh, I'm pretty sure this this was a trade that happened kind of mid season two when Dion Lewis started doing well. Um, it's kind of scary owning those Patriots running backs long-term, but he his first is also a late first, more probably closer to, you know, 13-14. So, I mean, some leagues, that's an early second. So it's not like he's given up a, a real first for this, this trade, but I think that this trade was because he was a playoff team, and you can't fault him for trying to bolster the lineup anyway. He can.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think – because he's a playoff team that can be no worse than 13th and could be a lot worse or could be a lot later than that even. Um, This trade was made in late October. So this was before Dion Lewis really started um, getting his legs under him. So I I think it was um, maybe a little bit of a speculative trade, but it worked out really well.
0: All right. So, um, Definitely a team that's, like you said, is balanced, and um, we'll have to try to survive that Gronk suspension this week. (laughs) But moving... It doesn't
1: have a whole lot else at tight end. Jermaine Gresham, unfortunately. Uh, Lance Kendricks and Richard Rodgers from Green Bay. So he's kind of scrambling there this week.
0: Yeah, and uh, I was in a league where, uh, unfortunately, I had Gronk down. My other tight end options were... Zach Miller, who broke his leg, and uh, Griffin on the Texans. He got injured early in the season. So I actually had no backup, so I picked up Josh Hill and started him. He got me three points.
1: Take everything you can get at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's new, I had some new starting in that lead, too. But anyway, uh, before I go on a ramble on my other teams, <laughs> let's move on to our commissioner, who uh, the implication, who missed the playoffs with a mediocre – 13, 13. That's right. It's It doesn't get any more average than that. Um, we're going to look at uh, his biggest assets here, and he's got Jared Goff and Andrew Luck at QB. So, I mean, if Andrew Luck ever decides to come back from Europe, he could get some value at QB because there's no reason to roster both of them. Uh, he had some uh, tough luck with Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure. It looks like he traded for him, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, he's also got Derrick Henry and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, He traded away all of his lower picks. He still has his first, which I'm assuming is probably right down the middle of the league, probably like a ninth or a tenth overall pick since he went 13-13.
1: I don't know what our criteria Uh, is
0: for for draft picks, if it's potential points or record. Um, But, yeah, he
1: should be somewhere in the middle right there.
0: Yeah, and um, I think it's potential points. I think I looked it up. Because obviously I have some interest in the draft since my team kind of sucked this year, but uh, I think it's potential points. You're gonna have to take my word, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> but uh, so he's also got Derrick Henry and Elshon Jeffrey, as I said, and his first. I, he's got some value here, you know. I I didn't list the tight end, so we, I don't think there's anyone
1: he's worth got noting the there. Code.
0: Oh, he's got Njoku. So this is again—it's it, a line. It's a lineup that you're not really going into next year thinking, "I need to make—I needed to find some people to make this team work." I think he can make it work next year.
1: And, and you know, even you know, you went over the, the key assets, but he's got depth everywhere as well. I mean, he's got McKinnon. He's got um, Corey Davis. He's got Elshon Jeffrey. He's got Moncrief. If he ever does anything, he's got Perriman and Treadwell. So he's got bunch of lottery tickets that if any of them you know, come up Millhouse, he's going to be looking really good next year.
0: Yeah, so definitely on our teams to look out for in 2018 is our commissioner. Don't sleep on him. Uh, his Debbie asset is Royce Freeman of uh, Oregon. And uh, I highlighted a trade, but uh, I think it was with you, so I'll let you take it over, Fred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was Uh, Leading into our trade deadline, um, I was looking for win now um, ability to to make a push in the playoffs and gave away Brashad Perriman, Derek Henry, and uh, injured Delvin Cook to essentially get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, He threw in a couple of other scrubs on his team as well, but it was was for Hopkins. Um, It it immediately paid dividends uh, because Hopkins played great final week of the season and pushed me into the division win so that locked up uh number two seed overall and gave me a buy um so yeah, it ended up ended up being a really good trade i think for for both sides here he he gets some some really nice future um uh, running back depth um to add to what he's already got and, and, and i get a guy who can hopefully push me over the
0: top this year yeah and um you know what even if Dalvin Cook, like, forget about the injury. I don't think you overpaid. And I mean, you, one of your running backs was injured. Of course, that didn't matter to him because I'm sure when he made this trade, he wasn't really looking to make the playoffs. Um, but Dalvin Cook, while he is a promising running back, I don't think that, you know, adding Derrick Henry really is that much more for a receiver who is literally tearing it up and continues to tear it up. Well, I think the scoring settings come into play a little bit here because we get points for
1: per rush, um, and you know, Derek Henry may not be getting the full workload this year, but going forward, I still like him to be, you know, the the number one guy in Tennessee, um, if and when Murray ever <laughs> retires or breaks down. Um, I th- I'm trying to remember if, if I think he offered me this trade, um, and and he was the one who put. Rashad Perriman in there and I was like yeah absolutely if you if you want him and you're going to give me some kind of value I will absolutely trade him away because I, I'm 90% convinced that he's never going to be much of anything
0: right yeah Perriman uh, definitely uh, had, had the opening this year with those receivers and couldn't break through unfortunately but he's uh, Fred, the that
1: th- quarterback that can't <laughs> really get him the ball
0: uh, that's true too but uh, Fred why don't you bring us into our next team
1: Absolutely. Um, Next team is Manhunters United. They finished the season at 11 and 15. Um, Have some nice key assets here. Uh, Deshaun Watson at quarterback, Lamar Miller, Keenan Allen, Jimmy Graham, and 10 2018 picks uh, with three of them in the first round. His Debbie asset is Dion Kane, wide receiver from Clemson. And oh, with no no trades after the startup. so he might have, I don't know if he, I didn't look to see if, if he had wheeled and deal during the draft, um, but based on the players that he's got on this roster, you know, the, the important ones, he looks like he could be a force to be reckoned with um, if, there's, if there's depth to, to match it.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll chime in right here. They, they, he does have depth, and he did make moves, there's one we're going to be talking about later, where he actually selected Deshaun Watson with the pick that he traded for. Gotcha. So not only did he trade for a pick, but he made a successful pick with trading, which got to feel great. He's also got uh, Kenyon Drake on the team. He has um, Marquise Lee. I might have said Devonte Parker, Juju uh, Smith, Schuster, uh, Robert Woods. I don't know who I mentioned in the previous or you mentioned the previous one, but he's got depth. And he's got picks, including three firsts. So this this team is really set up. And uh, unfortunately for this division, it looks like there's four teams that will be competing next year.
1: Well, there's it looks like there's going to be at least two with our commissioner and Manhunters because they're both strong um, with with talent and picks, or with with youth and picks. <clears throat> Whether the the two teams on top currently or the you know the two playoff teams this year can hang with them. Um, will be a nice um, discussion over the summer.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's one of, one of those strange situations where the teams that didn't make the playoffs are actually better suited for the future as of now. Things yeah. always change, but uh, definitely not a normal occurrence at least.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, that you know, strategy plays into it as well. If these guys weren't necessarily trying to win this year and just setting themselves up for all other years, then yeah, I mean, great. I mean, somebody, somebody has to win the initial year. or Someone has to be competitive. Someone has to take those, those older veterans and try to squeeze everything they can out of them. And it looks like these two owners did not take that route at all. They're like, nope, we're going to go, we're going to go youth. We're going to go um, guys who could turn into something and um, go from there.
0: Okay, so uh, as we get to the tail end of this division, we will now talk about the Night Crawlers, who finished with a nine and seventeen record, and uh, this is James's team. Uh, his his key assets right now are Carson Wentz, uh, OBJ, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, and he also has uh, three first stacked up for the draft. So another team that will either be active in the draft or maybe looking to make some trades this offseason. His heavy asset is uh, Bo Scarborough. I don't know if that's how you say it, but he's the Alabama running back, the big guy. Uh, And uh, Let's see. His first – not his first trade, but one of the important trades is that he was able to give up Case Keenum, a second and a fourth, to get a first and a third from Dr. Mantis Toboggan. What are your thoughts there, Fred?
1: That's that's actually a really <laughs> <clears throat> that that trade can go either way because I'd like to know when it was made um, because Case Keenum now is looking like he might be worth that first round pick um, if he he keeps playing the way he is and, and can carve out a role for himself or you know become a starter either in Minnesota or somewhere else next year um, <clears throat> he, he he's looked pretty legit and. And that team is going to be around for a while,
0: right? So maybe maybe the value wasn't what he he expected, <clears throat> but I think the night crawler is still okay with Carson Wentz there at quarterback.
1: Oh yeah, and I, exactly, he he definitely he had the depth to to be able to move him and get
0: a, a premium
1: price. Really, I mean, it's, especially in a league where you know it's not super flex, and you don't technically have to start a quarterback um, with bye weeks and everything else, you can you can get by with a zero zero quarterback start. Um to be able to get a first round pick back from from a guy like like Keenum and your own second.
0: Yeah. Awesome, awesome deal. Uh one thing to note, he he has um some injured guys pretty much stashed. He obviously had OBJ which we mentioned before, but he also has Edelman, uh Kenneth Dixon and Spencer Ware all stashed away. So he doesn't have the depth that some of the other teams do in this division, but uh, you know all these injured guys that are getting him zero right now will certainly not get him zero next year. So his team will be stronger regardless of what moves he decides to make before the draft.
1: Yeah, and how many picks did we
0: say he's got? He's got uh, three first, and he also first. has a third round pick.
1: Yeah, that's uh, he's he's going to have he's going to have pieces to play with next year. That's for sure. Uh, whether he takes you know rookies with those or, or deals them for. Know, guys who, who can help his team the um, more immediate but looking at the way the other teams ahead of him in this division or the other teams along with him in this division are set up he may just want to take youth and push off again um, next year as well <clears throat> okay. So let's talk about the last team in this division. You still
0: with me, Eric? Yeah, I'm still here with you.
1: Uh, Pepe Silvia um, finished a dismal 3-13. and
0: um, Wait, that can't be
1: right. Is that enough games? 3-13? That's only 16 games.
0: Oh, well, he's got to be like 3-20. 3-23, and. maybe? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that sounds better.
1: No, it sounds worse, but I think that's more accurate. Um, he does have some... Um, Decent assets as well. Uh, he's got Phillip Rivers and Amari Cooper, um, and the number the 101 pick uh, next year. Uh, his Debbie pick is Saquon Barkley from Penn State, who would be the number one overall pick in just about everybody's mind. Um, so he's sitting pretty here with the 101 and another 101. Essentially, uh, he can take another Debbie pick. Uh, with that or you know whoever the whoever the the best non devi player to to come out um, of this draft is and, and there's always somebody
0: yeah, and i think uh in this case he's probably better off taking somebody that's gonna be drafted that um you could get good value with this year take a devy guy later um <clears throat> you could he can keep taking the one oh one and he can keep taking the best devi prospect but in a league like this, I I don't think it's enough of a pipeline to keep funneling your team. Uh, Barkley, you know, if the hype does get really strong, especially coming right out of the gate, so uh, maybe you know you can flip that for like say like three first or two and a half first something like that. I guess you can keep doing that and gain value, but at some point, you know, I think your best option may be to get another young guy going into the draft now, taking a Devy guy with, you know, uh, you know trading for another pick, is, is, even if you want it to be an earlier one. But um, as we'll discuss later in the Devy section, just because you picked the guy early doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be picked early. So there's no guarantees here. Uh, and that would be my strategy, but we'll see where Pepe goes. He's clearly a win-later team.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at his full roster here, and there's not a whole lot else that he has that's – really um doing good this year or you know, he, you know, he's got a, he's got amari cooper who he can build around hopefully um hopefully he you know proves to be worth what he's where he's been drafted um you know, he's, he's obviously got barkley but he's got like Terrell, Terrell Pryor, and he's got cory coleman so he's got some guys who m- maybe were sexy when we drafted in the summer but some of the shine has come off of them since then
0: and uh the one trade we have for him is that he uh gave up uh witten and got a second from a team uh that's a that's a fine move i think witten's probably got a year or two left so uh for a team that's win later getting a, another pick is the way to go
1: absolutely a uh, good deal for him
0: okay so that concludes the kitten mittens division and uh I'll let you take this one away, Fred. Uh, just, you are the division leader right now, or the division winner this year for Wolf Cole and Division. Yeah,
1: thank you. Again, um, uh, gets invincible. That's my team. Finished nineteen and seven, won, won the division, and got the number two seed. Um, my key assets are Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, DeAndre Hopkins, and Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I've got first, third, and fourth picks next year, and uh, Nick, Chubb, Nick Chubb as my uh, Debbie. So hopefully hopefully he continues his uh, rehab and keeps getting stronger. Do you want to give a penny of these trades, or do you want me to go over them?
0: Uh, well, uh, just to go over your roster real quick before we get into those trades, which for some reason I can't find your team on MFL. It's the gang <laughs> – Oh just it's just named it's, invincible That's yeah name. okay so uh, you definitely have some guys that we didn't mention like Latavius Murray Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I'm sure you could name a couple more guys here too uh, so this team does you do have depth on top of your key players here
1: I wouldn't necessarily Nelson. call great dynasty assets but they've been they've been good for me this year and and, and surprisingly good for me this year
0: and you got Landry too that,
1: Yes, yes, Uh, Landry was uh, one of the trades I think we'll talk about here. I I made a couple moves during the startup to um, try to to move up to get the guy I wanted, and uh, he was one of them.
0: Yeah, so I would definitely say that um, you got a a well-balanced team, both for the future and for now. And uh, I guess we'll talk about that Jarvis-Landry trade that you mentioned, where um, in the startup... You gave up the 411, which turned into Martavis Bryant, and the 713, which turned into Doug Martin, and uh, you were able to receive the 311, in which you drafted Jarvis Landry, and the 1008, which you uh, drafted Latavius Murray. And I mean, this looks like a like a steal for you. Like Landry has been so much more productive this year than Martavis Bryant. He has one of the lowest floors of the receivers in in, in the entire league. And highest floors. Highest floor, yeah, sorry. Highest floor. <laughs> and, like, you know what his future is. You know he's going to be the PPR receiver wherever he goes. Where Martavis Bryant is now seems like a more big risk than when he was suspended for marijuana.
1: Uh, exactly. And, you know, I, I think uh, you look at this trade, you look at the, the players who were taken at the time, and I think most people would say they prefer to be on the Artavis, Doug Martin side. Um, Tavius Murray, you know, didn't particularly have a defined role. He was coming off of an injury. They had Delvin Cook, who was looking great right from the start. And I think Landry even started out pretty slow along with along with Miami um so it it was it's more of a hindsight good trade than you know if you look at you know who took who you know with with the picks who were involved
0: yeah and uh you you made a lot of startup trades you're one of the more active ones but um if you just go through your teams across the board it looks like you won these trades. so uh Certainly, someone where if I'm in a startup with you going forward, I may say he knows something. Maybe I'll just ask him for his opinions rather than him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I take you know, try to try to mix a little bit of a redraft approach in to my to my dynasty startups in the sense that I feel like other teams can um, tank for the future better than I can. So if if I'm going to if I'm going to do well, it's going to be right out of the gate. So you know, try to try to get players who I think may be a little undervalued um, in terms of where they're going to end up this season, and still have a still have a role going forward. Or in some cases, like Larry Fitzgerald, just taking the old guy who I know is going to be a steady wide receiver one for the next two, three, four years, hopefully. And yeah, you know, in, in terms of dynasty, you know, he just gets forgotten.
0: Or whatever your strategy is, it tends to work. I mean, across the, all the leagues we're in, you're uh, either we're in the playoffs or continue to be in the playoffs in all those leagues. So uh, it's impressive. It's really impressive from what I see.
1: I'll see if I can see if I can win anything out of all of this. Um, you know, so far, it's all just show until you until you win a playoff game or two.
0: Yeah, well, you'll I'd have to buy than not. So next week, you're automatically in one league. You're in the Charlie McDennis league and only two wins away from uh, the title you know, I think they call it a game you just get to smash the other person's pieces that's what I remember
1: <laughs> I don't think okay, I saw so, that episode
0: oh my god you need to see it I, it's labeled char Charity Mcdennis okay and basically uh Dennis and d have this game that they win all the time so it's like rigged and it they, they, You know, you have to get plastered, and uh, you have game pieces that you get to smash the losers, smash piece, uh, pieces when they lose. So, Definitely an episode you should check out, one of my favorites. But let's move on to the next team in your division. Uh, hashtag Charlie Work. That's uh, Dusty's team, who won 18-8, and, and he had the number five seed in the playoffs. Uh, well, still does. He has a matchup this week, which we'll get into later. Uh, best players on this team are Derek Carr and Alex Smith, so he's got two QBs he can use. Uh, he's got Jordan Howard and LeSean McCoy. Um, he has the breakout man in himself, Adam Thielen, uh, and Muhammad Sanu, and uh, he owns his own first. His yeah, Devi, go ahead. His Devi asset is LJ Scott, a uh, Michigan State running back. Uh, but what were you saying, Fred?
1: Oh, I was starting to say you know, this. This team gave me fits all season long. We were kind of back and forth for our division lead. Um, he was up by a game, and then we were tied, and then I was up by a game, and then we were tied, and it was it was a a dogfight between the two of us. So it was um, it was fun to fun to play against him, and it, it looked like his team kind of had the same run of luck that that mine did for the most part, where he was getting good production out of guys who you wouldn't necessarily think of in like Alex Smith and Adam Thielen, you know, just way way above. Um, where they were drafted or expected to.
0: Yeah, and and you look at his team, uh, you know, there's not anybody that sticks out like, oh, this guy's real young and he's real good, but there's nobody that's like, oh, this guy's getting old and you're not gonna have him for a little bit. So this looks like a team that is either entering its prime or is in its prime and uh, should be for the next couple years, so it definitely can be relevant going forward, at least in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree, and uh, there's one guy I'm looking at here I want to see where he got him. Okay, so he actually did draft Ricky Seals-Jones uh, and you know that's already paying off for him as well. Wow.
0: That's a, that's a crazy tidbit right there. Uh, so what do you think uh, what trade do you think made the most impact? Let's see what we've got here. Um,
1: uh, the, the biggest impact for him um, was definitely the Alex Smith trade. Uh, he he traded his 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 twelfth round pick and his fifteenth round pick um, to to actually move down in the twelfth round uh, and get a pick up an extra fourteenth round pick. So um, with with the picks that he got, he drafted Alex Smith and Brian Hill, and the players that he gave up were Jake Butt and Carlos Henderson um, to get a uh, a guy who was you know, a top six quarterback for. Half two thirds of the season in the twelfth round, can't can't ask for anything better than that on a return.
0: And you know what? It's it's funny because um, if when you're making a trade like this, and he actually traded down in the twelfth round. So if you use in logic, he traded down from drafting, Butt to get Alex Smith. So Alex Smith was just he wasn't you know as bad as Butt, But then he moved up. To pick up brian hill over carlos henderson it's funny how these things work out especially late it wasn't a big move but um if he was targeting alex smith at the 1203 he was able to wait seven more picks and pick him up and you know get his uh you know his better shot on a flyer in an earlier round later
1: yep and you know just to real quickly go over uh the other interesting trade that he had because it had some decent names involved with it um he gave up a 16th pick in the fifth round and the 603. I'm sorry. Yeah, he gave up those picks to get uh, what turned into Adrian Peterson, Legarrette Blunt, Joe Williams, Carlos Henderson, and it looked like there was. Looked like he actually drafted another a second Devy player for some reason. Um, don't know what happened there, but it, <laughs> kind, of, kind of a wasted pick because we're only allowed one. Um, but so you know, giving up Evan Ingram kind of hurts going forward. But he's gotten three decent running backs out of this, and Carlos Henderson, who has um, has a chance. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, so he it, yeah he picked up Carlos Henderson, and then he ended up trading him later, so he doesn't have him anymore. But um, he used Ingram that for, to get Alex Smith. Right, but, so. Evan Ingram it for two older running backs and a and a and a rookie.
0: All right. So, uh, Fred, why don't you take us into, uh, the next team in the division?
1: Sure. Uh, we've got Philadelphia, uh, who finished at 14 and 12. This is John Barnes team. Um, I think he's from D uh, D96 as well, right?
0: Uh, uh yeah, the name sounds from, uh, he's probably at the Philadelphia team, right? I can't remember his team name. Not Sure. Um, so he's got,
1: got, a, got a real mixture on his team here. Um, He's got some fairly older guys. He's got Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, Frank Gore, DeMarco Murray, and Brandon Marshall. Um, but he's also got Jay Jayi Mike Evans, Crabtree, Alan Hearns, and Westbrook. So he's really, really kind of an odd split between old and young here. Um, I don't know how many of those players will still be playing next year uh for the older guys um they, they could have a year or two left certainly but it wouldn't also surprise me if he lost a couple of them just to attrition um and his debbie player is cam acres from uh
0: florida state running back yeah and i uh, i think you, you did a good job at summarizing it fred uh a lot of those guys are near the tail end and uh I mean, at this point, you're almost better off riding these assets it, into the sunset instead of trading them because they usually feel like they're, it's not—they're not worth it. If you're gonna go for wins, which Steve finished over 500 this year, and uh, certainly has assets to move forward, uh, you know, having that Debbie player not come in just—you know—it eats up your Debbie spot next year as well as you're not getting anybody that you know isn't with a pick, but. Uh, definitely can survive for a year or two before he has to go into perhaps a you know a folded in mode.
1: Yeah, and he's got his full complement of picks next year as well so he can he can decide which which what, what direction he wants to go and if he wants to trade those guys for, for some veterans or go for the go for the um, younger guys who, who will help him in the future. he can you know the, the, the kind of good thing about this team is that the way it's built, he has options. Talk about his
0: trade here. Yeah, sure. So um he was able to give up pick one twelve and pick four oh seven and he received picked one oh six and five oh five and what wait yeah so uh basically what happened is he traded up six uh picks in the first round, and he was able to move up to the Mike Evans spot. Uh, He traded away the 112, which was Christian McCaffrey, but I mean, I think everyone thought that was a little high on McCaffrey anyway. It was, uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins went at 114, so uh, he did trade up to get his receiver there. Um, He traded back one round. He wound up giving up the, uh, the 407, which turned into Devontae Adams' And he received the 505, which was Michael Crabtree. So he, um, you know, gave up one round later to move up those six spots and get Mike Evans. He got a receiver that's probably just as capable, just not as young. So Devonte Adams definitely someone that you know he probably would rather have on his team than Michael Crabtree at this point. But they're both, you know, uh, high caliber receivers in the league.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because you know, I think Mike Evans is still considered top three, top five, you know, dynasty front receiver. But Devontae Adams is quickly getting there himself. Um, you know, Tampa Bay has kind of fallen apart this year, and Mike Evans is disappointed. But I don't think I don't think people are shying away from him yet. Uh, the way I think they're starting to with Amari Cooper, um, people still believe they, they they they've seen the talent he's he's produced on the field. He's scored a shit ton of touchdowns. Part of it was, you know, Winston's troubles and you know injury this year as well, and Tampa Bay just essentially imploding. But yeah, I think, you know, you, you talk a little bit about Christian McCaffrey and you know he was that that real wild card rookie this year where people, especially in PPR leagues, thought he was gonna be like Marshall Falk. And and he certainly still could be, but it's not they're not using him that way yet.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's it, that's certainly what this. Uh, well, I don't think he would have took McCaffrey if he kept that pick. But
1: uh, oh no, certainly not.
0: It, it, it'll be interesting to see how McCaffrey develops, nonetheless. But uh, let's move on to our next team in the division, uh, and this is just two men who, uh, to no surprise, are have a co-owned team, T- Tyler and Jacob. Uh, they went twelve and fourteen this year. Uh, they do have some depth on this team. It, it starts off with guys like Matthew Stafford, Melvin Gordon, and Joe Mixon, who, uh, I mean, young uh, Stafford. Stafford's in his prime, but the other two running backs, young and good dynasty assets. Uh, They're also able to have some depth guys in Rand Cobb, Sammy Watkins, uh, Josh Doxon. Uh, they also have Ebron and tight end, and they have an, uh, they still have their – original picks uh, for the 2018 draft. Their Debbie asset is Lamar Jackson, the quarterback out of Louisville. He's in the Heisman voting, I'm pretty sure. And, That's the kiss uh, of death, isn't it? What? Yeah, being a Heisman. Uh, the Heisman. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but he's definitely one of those quarterbacks that everyone was worried that he wouldn't Go, come into the league well. And after seeing like a guy like Deshaun Watson, who kind of has the mobility like he does, uh playing great before he got injured, you know, it gives even a quarterback who was performing really well in college, but not a traditional play style, more hope. And there's definitely a lot of hype around Lamar Jackson. But anyway, before we even get into him, because that he won't be on the team till next year, he's still got um, good depth on this team, and he already has – they have a quarterback. So uh, 12 and 14, are, they're really missing that one, you know, home run to pull this team forward. But they also have the assets that they might be able to uh, make a push for that home run threat and turn this team into a playoff team next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at the depth here, it's kind of surprising this team ended up <clears throat> under 500. I don't know if it was just schedule quirks or, or, you know, Poor lineup decisions or something like that, but it looks like, I mean, there's some guys who have disappointed or underperformed this year, you know, for I think some reasons out of their control, but um, he looks like he can be uh, somebody who can fight for the division going forward. Oh, plus he's got a bunch of guys injured. All right, so let's take a look here at a uh, trade he made. Let's see, um, so during the during the startup draft, he made a trade with Special Agent Jack Bauer. Uh, just two men gave up the 310, 6-9, and 15-10. Uh, and those players turned into Tyreek Hill, Samaje Pirine, and Philip Dorsett. And he received 208, uh, which was Joe Mixon, 1118, uh, Rico Gathers, and 1201, James Conner. So I think you know, Tyreek Hill has been, I, I, I'd have to say, probably still a bit of a surprise um, in in that he's scored as well as he had, has had this year for a second year in a row. Um but to get Joe Mixon and uh, is it we still consider James Conner to be the heir apparent to Le'Veon Bell when Pittsburgh gives up on him this year? Left in in this division, uh, wild card bitches uh, finished eleven and fifteen. Uh, it's from uh, owned by Alex, uh, he's got several assets here. Um, He's got Todd Gurley, Michael Thomas, and T.Y. Hilton. His Devy player is James Washington, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. And better than any of those players, he has the god, Dak
0: Prescott. Uh, Yeah, he does. Uh, uh, For those of you that aren't in other leagues, I'm a a Dak Prescott guy. Uh, But... Alex here, um, he definitely has those uh, three big hitters um, that can carry any franchise, especially in an 18-team league where we're kind of scurrying for players. He can easily turn that into depth and not like just mediocre depth. Or if he's able to build depth around it, he can really be a team uh, to – To mess with. So uh, again, like a lot of teams, a lot of leagues I feel like I do, I don't know what teams are doing. This league, I think everybody kind of has it figured out for the most part. Uh, Definitely a roster I would want to build around. And uh, James Washington, for that matter, is one of the higher Debbie guys too. So he's got another receiver getting into that receiver core that could be real good.
1: Yeah, I think that would be nice for him because I think no one really knows what to expect from T.Y. Hilton going forward, he's, he's spectacular, but he's also just completely disappeared for most of this year.
0: Yeah. I think part of it is the product with having a QB come in, uh, who's not familiar with the system and you see T.Y. go off for a little bit. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like if uh, Dorsett was in the, the training in the beginning, he would be better. But Hilton also thrives on his speed. And speed isn't going to be there forever. And we don't know if he can be a possession receiver in this league. So it's, you know, I think he would have been fine this year with Andrew Luck. I really do. Uh, But at at what point is it like, well, if Luck isn't healthy or if he can't run super fast, like uh, it's going to die off uh, probably sooner than later
1: he's not exactly young anymore either he's 27 28 years old I mean he's I mean, certainly in in his prime as they say but um, I, he's he's just one of those guys where I, I don't think you're gonna get as much for him today as it cost you to get him to, to, to draft him or to, to trade for him you know, a year ago
0: yeah and that's that's certainly a good point Fred um <laughs> So yeah, uh, let's look and see what kind of trades he made, and if there's anything that really sticks out. Um, a, a lot of, a, I mean, a lot of startup trades for him. It looks like that's all he really made. That was interesting, but uh, one one trade that he made that I found p- peculiar was that he traded for the six twelve, which turned into which he drafted. John Brown, and he gave up uh, a ninth round pick, which someone took the uh, Notre Dame St. Brown receiver, uh, a tenth round pick, which was Sproles, an eleventh, which was Stills, and the sixteenth, which was uh, Brock Osweiler. So he gave up a lot of later picks for you know a sixth round pick to upgrade, but he didn't really capitalize on that sixth round pick. John Brown really you know struggling with the injuries depth out in Arizona and the QB troubles out there so yeah. no no real winner on that trade
1: John Brown was one of those guys that I really thought was gonna have a bounce-back year and it feels like he's still not over the the health problems that he had um, and he's actually already been announced inactive for this year um, but just pulling up the league draft right now to see who went in that vicinity who he could have had instead um, Sterling Shepard was drafted at six fourteen. Uh, Eric Decker at six eighteen. Alvin Kamara at seven oh two. I mean, you know, it's it's easy to go back at the draft and say, "Oh boy, you really screwed that up," but uh, he really screwed that up.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll move on from his team and uh, move on to the last team in the division, which is my team, the Birds of War. This is Eric. And, oh, you're uh, in my division. Yeah, I was uh, down at the bottom. <laughs> you were up at the top. Thanks for rubbing it in. But anyway, um, my uh, key players right now are Aaron Rodgers, uh, Zeke Elliott, Hunter Henry, and Jordan Reed. I also have stacked up uh, four first round picks, which I happen to know, if if our draft order goes by potential points, will be picks three, four, five, and seven which I'm very excited about. I also have three seconds there. My Debbie asset is Cortland Sutton, the receiver out of SMU. And uh, the one trade that I made right before the deadline was actually with you, Fred. Yeah, it was actually with you, Fred, where I gave up Russell Wilson, and I received Aaron Rodgers and your second round pick. Um, I kind of have Aaron Rodgers ahead of Russell Wilson, so I wanted to make this deal anyway. But in fairness to the league, I don't like leagues where people, you know, kind of fold in and they like, oh, well, I like Aaron Rodgers more than Russell Wilson next year. And that's the only thing that matters. I knew I was giving you a quarterback that you view as a starter over your backup, Matt Ryan. So in order to make the switch, I was like, listen, you got to give me something. So I was able to get that second out of you, which I felt like made the trade more fair.
1: I. Did everything that I possibly could do to not give you that second round pick. Um, and I don't know. I think that that, that that was the longest and most back and forth trade negotiation I've had in any league this season. Um, it usually is a lot simpler for me to, you know, either either get my way or convince the other person that, yep, you really want to do that. Um, but no, you, you stood your ground and, um, I I can't tell you that Russell Wilson is worth Aaron Rodgers and a second round pick, but for me and the situation I'm in, I I absolutely need it.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing. Like uh, I took that into consideration. I would never ask for that. I, I would think that's ridiculous, but you know, it's a trade deadline. You're looking for that elite quarterback to push you over the edge of the playoffs. And so, uh, I, th- I felt like I owed it to the league, like, hey, I'm going to let this guy have the QB1 as of right now uh, in, in the playoffs. Well, I'm going to make him give me something substantial. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big principal guy. I'm not going to uh, sabotage people, and I'm not going to sabotage the league. I'm going to be making pickups, you know, even though I'm not in the playoffs. I'm that kind of owner. So I felt like I owed it to the league. I'm glad, I'm glad we came to a deal, but you're right. We had like seven counters back and forth, which is pretty crazy.
1: It was, yeah, it was, it felt like it was going on all day long. And then I, I want to say it was actually getting close to the, the deadline itself. I think our, our deadline wasn't kickoff. It was like 6 p.m. or something like that. And I was like, oh, fuck. If I don't, if I don't get something here, if I don't get this done somehow, I'm going to be just kicking myself, you know, in, in a couple of weeks when, when I'm eliminated, you know, the first round.
0: Yeah. So, uh, besides the trade, I think my roster has you know a couple good players. I'm clearly missing that receiver role, which I have a Debbie receiver. So hopefully he helps me out. Uh, I don't have really much depth, which is a problem. Um, but I do have a lot of picks, which I mean I can either trade for depth or you know even potential like star players. Or I can uh, do it the old Bainfort way, which is just draft him and hope for the best. Uh, he's an owner in one of our other leagues. Uh, I haven't said what I'm doing yet. I'm kind of going on the fly. But I think I'm set up so that I could definitely be a contender if things fall my way. Uh, we'll see if I trade any of those draft picks, and then I'll determine what the best course of action is for my team.
1: Well, speaking of the best course of action, this would be the right time to talk about Ezekiel Elliott and Jordan Reed because – I don't know if either one of those players is going to be on your roster come the beginning of next season. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know what your strategy is or what you're thinking on either one of them is, but based on the, the composition of your team, it just doesn't look like they're the best choices for you at this moment.
0: Yeah, so uh, the problem with Jordan Reed is that his value is more in the toilet more than it has been in a while. So I I don't like selling low on guys. And even though it makes sense for me to sell him, uh, this is a tight end premium league. And, you know, that that tight end that, you know, isn't your, say, Cameron Brait, or your martellus bennett or you know guys that you don't mind starting because you don't want to invest a lot in the position but you get that elite tight end and that pushes you over the edge so i'm thinking tight end premium i'm gonna invest heavy in this tight end position so i can turn around and make value and of course jordan reed it gets hurt and is shit and he's like he's like a one or two guy when he's healthy and also hunter henry Start off slow. He's he's really coming around, which I like, and it's it's good to have. But uh, the, the the strategy didn't pan out for me the first year. Not not even close.
1: Well, were you were you playing for to win now uh, when you when you drafted this team when you set it up?
0: Um, no, I Just... trade I traded for three other firsts, so I wasn't okay. This
1: so year. that was during the startup. You did that?
0: Yeah, during the startup, I traded for three separate firsts. So, uh. I was really thinking win later but um you, you know I, I I'm very dynamic I switch on the fly and you know Jordan Reed and Hunter Henry were just reasons to not worry about winning.
1: Yeah, absolutely and and to to you know give up all of that value in the startup draft and still come out of it with Aaron Rodgers and Ezekiel Elliott um I don't think you can complain too badly.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I still managed 10 wins in a in a division that wasn't necessarily easy and uh I, I had guys like – I had the Zeke suspension. I had Malcolm Mitchell on the IR, uh, Quincy Enuma on the IR, although I might have drafted him later because he was on the IR. But <laughs> needless to say, I I got some people there that I like. Uh, obviously, everything's not going to pan your way, but if the tight ends might have started off really well, I may have considered trading one and some first-round picks to go for it. But the way it fell, there's it was just much easier to wait for next year all right all right let's move on yeah what's next why don't Uh, you take it away fred
1: uh, yeah actually so let's move on to the fight milk division uh we've got the our number one seed best record league beer beef and jesus uh owned by michael k finished the season at 22 and four and he's loaded um he's got a solid stud at every position Uh, Tom Brady, Mark Ingram, Brandon Cooks, Zach Ertz. Doesn't have his first round pick, but he's got his second, third, and fourth. Uh, For Debbie Player, he's got uh, St. Brown, the aforementioned uh, receiver from Notre Dame. And it looks like we only only have one significant trade here, where uh, he gave up his second round pick. I'm sorry, he gave up someone else's second round pick uh, to get Adrian Peterson, but uh, I, I think it probably worked out for him, you know, here and there, spot start, bye week filler kind of thing, uh,
0: give him some further
1: depth at that position.
0: Yeah, so he's definitely, uh, you know, in a league where you're only starting eight players and there's 18 teams in the league to have a significant stud at each position, you know, it's going to make you uh, a dangerous team. He's also got Tevin Coleman and Marshawn Lynch on this team at receiver. He's got Jory Nelson, which unfortunately didn't pan out for him. But, um, I mean, that would just make this team even more deadly. Uh, Aaron got- Rodgers
1: is coming back in week 15, so he might be heating up again exactly when it matters.
0: And I mean, that's not it, – it, that's not if Jory Nelson will heat up. If, if Rodgers is back, Nelson's going to be, I mean, what he was because – nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is his quarterback. And, you know, they have that connection. So as long as Rodgers can play at that level, which assuming the Packers beat the Browns this week, they're going to want him to play. Uh, it can certainly turn around for him in the playoffs. So that's a good point. But as of now, it hasn't panned out for him. Uh, he's got, he's got a great roster. He's, I mean, the, the way it works, you, you only got two matchups if you get the buy. So you and both Michael K will, uh, you know, get to relax before your semifinals next week and it's certainly one of the teams you're gonna fear, right?
1: Yeah, if 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 we play each other it would be in the finals, um if, if I make it that far. And he makes it that far. Uh so yeah, I am kinda of looking at this team now
0: going, I really don't wanna to have to play against them. And he's got, you know, Brady and Nelson are older assets, but uh next year his team could be just as good. It's I'm not really worried about the age on his team yet.
1: No, I, I, those guys are both playing at least next year and probably longer.
0: All right, so uh, we'll get more into his team next week if, uh, if we decide to do anything else. But we'll move on to the Nightman Cometh. This is Garrett's team. He's uh, House Stark, if you're in the Game of Thrones league. He he went 19-7, which claimed him the number four seed in the playoffs, the first wild card. Uh, first, Yeah, first wild card. Uh, this team consists of uh, Marcus Mariota, Le'Veon Bell, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm not sure what Adams that is. Is that Devontae Adams? Yeah, Devontae Adams and Delaney Walker. So, this is probably my favorite lineup of the, uh, the wild card teams or the teams in the wild card round. Uh, the combination of Bell, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey. Bonte Adams, like, oh god, this is. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have any draft picks going forward. This is a nice, solid base to build around. His uh, his Debbie asset is the Alabama receiver Calvin Ridley.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, 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 speaking of you know, playoff matchups and, and looking at things, um, I think this is the team that I would play uh, this next week if, if if he makes it through this round. So, I've I've been looking at this roster, going, oh fuck, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself up against these guys.
0: Yeah, and in an eighteen team league, it's it's it doesn't get much better than it. it really doesn't. All right, so uh, we we'll talk about him in the playoff matchup. Uh, Fred, why don't you take the next team?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, before before doing that, uh, real quick, just looking at his trades here that he made. Um, he gave up what turned. Wait, he has Christian McCaffrey. So he okay. So this is I have it backwards. Um... Yeah. Anyway, I'm trying to figure out what I've written down here, and it's well. It's he
0: confusing. was on. He was on the other end of the deal uh, where he gave up the picks for Evans and Crabtree, and he got uh, yeah, 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 McCaffrey. And... I see. He's, he's the owner that took McCaffrey one twelve.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, probably not the uh, – for, for Wendell in the playoffs, probably not the the player he would want to have at 112. <clears throat> but
0: uh,
1: awesome going forward probably still.
0: Okay, so All right. So we'll, next we'll move on to Dr. Mantis Toboggan. Take it away, Fred.
1: Yeah, uh, this is uh, a team owned by Michael W. He finished 15-11. and 11. Uh, His key assets here, uh, I assume this is A.J. Green. Um uh, Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, Devin Funchess, and Amir Abdullah. Is he still considered a key asset? Close enough. <laughs> Probably uh, not. His <laughs> uh, debbie player is Mason Rudolph, uh, Oklahoma State quarterback. And uh, trade here that he made during the startup draft was uh, the picks that turned into Joe Mixon and Mark Ingram to give him Travis Kelsey. He he moved up uh, from 208 to 118. Um, but I think this is one that I think he would like to have back. Uh, maybe the difference between him being in the playoffs and not.
0: Yeah. And, um, if you're looking at his team, he really doesn't have a quarterback option. He does have the Debbie coming in, but, uh, case Keenum, I guess, uh, could, could turn into something. That's his best choice moving forward. But besides those assets that we mentioned, there's not much to like on this team. Uh, It's certainly a team that he only has a second and a fourth coming into the draft next year. He's going to need to do something with this team to make it better, in my opinion. I don't think 15-11 is in the cards for him next year. I think he's uh, trending down as of now. Got it. So beat up on him while you can,
1: or hope he doesn't uh, make some trades to improve his team in the offseason.
0: It, exactly, exactly, Michael. You could turn me wrong. Right, what do you think, Fred? Uh, you you think uh, you think it's better than what I'm saying?
1: No, no, no. I I, I agree with you. I think he's 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 got you know a studs and duds approach. Um, uh, but you mentioned Case Keenum, he's a guy who is a complete wild card right now. Um, he could be Minnesota's quarterback next season. He could be on the bench next week. Uh, it, it's it, or he could be starting for someone else. I mean, who knows what? Who knows what they're going to do with him? Um, they've they've got almost an embarrassment of riches at the
0: moment, and they, uh,
1: they're going to have to get rid of at least
0: one of them. Exactly. So, uh, Michael, prove us wrong. You got it, buddy. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the next team. Our second, no, third to last team. Sorry to get you guys all excited. Uh, it's special agent Jack Bauer. Twelve fourteen. This is Sean's team. Uh, He's got Jameis Winston, Carlos Hyde, Tyreek Hill, and Diggs. He's one of those owners that has no picks despite his 12-14 record, so trading away the picks didn't turn out how he'd like. His Debbie asset is uh, Juice? Joyce? I don't know how to say his name. The LSU running back. And uh, his big trade was uh, he was able to get – wait, is that true? That he traded – Trade Kelsey to get Mixon, Mixon and Ingram and they that trade was the, like, the
1: opposite side of the trade we just talked about. So yeah, he he gave up the one eighteen to get to, to drop back and get two oh eight and six oh eight. Yeah,
0: and he also made a trade with me where he gave me his first round pick for six sixteen, which he selected Rob Kelly. So uh I would certainly take my side uh as of now, but I'm sure uh yeah, you know, when Rob Kelly was healthy, was an RB option in this league. Uh, they they can be uh, few and far between, so I I can't really blame him. Uh,
1: okay, um, I I wouldn't have done it. Um, I I
0: don't know what else
1: was available at six sixteen, but obviously he liked him enough to to make that move, and it was it was looking like he was going to be the be the the starting running back for for Red, the Redskins and. P Ryan really hadn't shown much um, through training camp, even. So, uh, I mean, he, he, Kelly got injured as well, but I was just never that much of a believer in him.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I'm I feel the same way about uh, Jack Bauer's team here. I'm, I'm not a fan of it moving forward. I think this is going to be one of the weaker divisions. He went 12 and 14. That even seems like it's going to be high. Well, based I mean, he's on got what some,
1: he has, he's got some assets. He's he's got. Carlos Hyde, Ty Montgomery. Uh, he's got Peyton Barber, who's, you know, showing some flashes. Uh, we mentioned Diggs and Hill, two good young receivers. He's got Tyra Williams, if he pans out. Um, but that's that's really it. He's, he's real thin at tight end, doesn't have depth. Um, at receiver, but, you know, it's it's hard to do that in, in a league this large anyway. Um, the thing that kind of hurts him here is, you know, Winston. Winston had a really off year and got hurt, and Bradford got hurt, although I think probably everyone could see that Bradford was going to get hurt again because that's all he ever does.
0: Fair enough. so you're a little more optimistic on Sean. Uh, I'm a little worried about his future, but uh, you think he might be all right. There's
1: there's talent on the roster. Um, so I mean, he's got he's he's actually got Pirine as well. Um, but he's sitting, I think, on his um, taxi squad right now.
0: All right. So uh, why don't you take us into our penultimate team?
1: Ah, yes. Everyone's favorite penultimate team going America all over everyone's asses. Uh, this is owned by Brian Williams, House Egan from Game of Thrones. <clears throat> he finished at 10 and 16 this year. Um, second worst in, in the division. Or fifth best, if you want to put it that way. Um, <laughs> his his key assets are Drew Brees and David Johnson. Um, it's a great, great start. Uh, Jameson Crowder, Kyle Rudolph, and OJ Howard. Good tight ends to have in a, you know, a TE Premium League. And he's got McKeel Harry. Uh, receiver from ASU. So he's got room to move up. Um, Made what do we have here for for trade? Is that he gave up
0: uh, what did he give up? He gave up his first, his his second.
1: To get a oh, to get what? That can't be right.
0: Yeah, so so what uh he did here, he traded away his first round pick, his second round pick, and a ninth round startup pick. Oh I see. Of the fifth round startup pick and a sixteenth round startup pick. That was exactly my team. Got it.
1: So so that pick, you know, he traded up traded away his his future to get Jamison Crowder. Essentially.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean at the beginning of the season, this looked like a terrible trade for him, but Crowder actually has been playing well.
1: He's turned into the go-to guy uh, on on the Redskins, I think, because none of the other receivers have developed, and Jordan Reeves is out. So he's got a, he's got a really good um, rapport with Kirk Cousins. The problem I have with it is that I'm almost certain Kirk Cousins isn't going to be on this team next year, and Crowder is really just a slot guy. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it really depends on what situation he's in going forward.
0: And uh, I think that's a a lot of what uh, Bryant has done here with his team. Um, He's got Drew Brees, which, I mean, that's more of a run team now. I don't see Brees retiring yet, but his years are certainly limited. And he's got David Johnson come back from that injury. But I don't think he has a depth to overcome some of the, the holes on his team. So maybe he was just, you know, hoping to hold on to David Johnson to sell him later on. Uh, it looks like his Debbie Ascent probably won't declare for the draft this year unless something has changed recently. Uh, so, and no significant picks. So there's not a lot of room to gain value other than to trade. And um, if he's interested in competing next year, I don't think. Uh, Dave, rostering David Johnson is his way to go. I think he's got to break it up into smaller assets and spread them around.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, move Drew Brees as well. Uh, he's still got good name recognition if he gets a little bit of hype. I, again, I mean, I I almost you almost don't want to have to say he needs it, but like you said, this feels like it's starting to turn into a running and defense team.
0: And uh, if any of you guys have been in the league with Brian before, he is the type of owner who will push all in even when he doesn't have that many chips or when he doesn't have the best hand. He is willing to give in all of his picks and say, I'm going for it. And if it doesn't work, he looks back at it and goes, I still would do it every time. So it's the type of owner he is. Uh, So I'm not sure what his trading strategy is coming off a bad year with a stud like David Johnson, but He's certainly an active trader, so that's going to be fun to monitor over the next few months.
1: And that's something this league needs a little more of, is um, active traders. It, was, it felt like you know after the, after the startup draft, almost nothing happened all season long until the trade deadline, and you know, I was able to swing a couple trades just because I was working the phone lines, as it were.
0: Yeah, so uh, it, you heard it here first. I mean, you listen to this podcast. Start trading, Grubs. All right? Thanks. Alright, but let's uh let's talk about the last team. Uh, Frank's Little Beauties, love that episode, it was always sunny. That's uh Alec's team, and he went five and twenty one, so not a good year for Mr. Alec. Uh he's got Des Bryant Demarius Thomas, two older receivers. Uh Devonta Freeman as well, and uh he also has Tyler Eifert, which I mean definitely someone he'd spent a higher pick on in this league, but you gotta be concerned about his future. Traded away his first. I think uh, His first. And uh, he's got uh, picks in the second, third, and fourth round. His Debbie asset is Sam Darno, the quarterback from USC, who, I mean, rumors are that he might not even declare, but I think he's going to declare. I think that's just a silly rumor.
1: Yeah, I don't really pay a ton of attention to, to Debbie or to college football, honestly, in general. I. I, I it, it, once once they declare for the draft and you know they show up at the combine is when when I start to really scout some of these players or you know pay more attention to them because they're coming online as it were. Um, so if if, if he's going to be not declaring this year, I think that that's a big um, uh, mistake. Uh, I, I, not a mistake, but a, a, a big uh, red X for for this league because we only are allowed a single Debbie player and then he's kind of stuck with him for a second season.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, do, you, do you see any? <laughs>
1: I'm looking at his roster right now, trying to see anyone else who's um, worth mentioning. And I, I think you got it. He's got you know a couple older guys. He's got guys that just didn't pan out, Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lacy. Um, he, he does have Duke Johnson, who's put in a, a, a pretty good year this year. Um, but you know, the, the upheaval in Cleveland has already started, so who knows what that roster is going to look like next year.
0: Yeah, I don't think this uh, – Des, Brian, Demaryius, Thomas uh, – I don't think this, these are the home for those players. I think they're older receivers that should be on teams competing now. Uh, I mean, by time he's able to turn this roster around, because clearly it's lacking in some major holes – they're going to be retiring, so uh, there's no reason to hold on to him for now. I don't think next year is a year for him to compete, especially since he doesn't have his first. And at best, he's going to have a quarterback that overperforms his expectation in Sam Darnot. Uh I think it's time to give those guys up, get some younger assets, and go from there.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I think when, when he has the ability to get back into the trading season here, um, those guys should be – moved along for 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 Pixar Youth.
0: Okay. So um I think we we did all 18 teams there. Uh I think it took us a little over an hour, but not bad considering we had 18 teams to cover. I hope you guys enjoyed that, but uh our next portion will be to go over the wild card matchups of the uh playoffs. Uh, the one thing I want to mention is we were recording this on Friday December 9th, or Saturday, December 9th. it just turned midnight here in the Eastern time zone. So uh, the Thursday night game already happened where the Falcons beat the so, uh, We'll be talking of those games with the results at hand. But uh, what what matchup do you want to talk about first, Fred?
1: Uh, the first one on my screen is uh, Jabronis versus Poppins.
0: All right, so let's get into it. Uh Poppins, uh, Julia's team, uh, she gets a home field advantage. So um, if you were the higher seed coming into this week, you get a 10-point advantage. So uh, uh, the Jabronis is going to have to be able to beat Poppins by 10 in order to advance into the next round.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the uh, projections on the MFL page, um, these two teams are within... Uh, quarter point of each other at this point. Uh, and that doesn't take into account the home field advantage. So I think this may come down to to, to that as the difference in this game. And and if it does, that would be uh, tremendous for, for, for Poppins to be able to, to pull it off that way. But um, where do we stand right now for what the score is?
0: So with uh, besides the ten point advantage, uh Poppins has had Tamara get injured in that first quarter for six point four points, which is really not that bad for a uh, running back to get injured really early.
1: No, no, he was on a, he was doing great for the first couple of plays. Um, and so yeah, that, that almost makes up for what he was projected to do. Uh, so he's, her her score is now just a few points lower than what it would have been if if he hit what um, his number was, uh, so she's a little bit a little bit behind the eight ball going into Sunday's games, but it can't you know, it all it, it all depends on you know who does what and who, who who shits the bed who gets hurt.
0: Yeah, and if we go by matchup, um, she has Cam Newton and uh, the Jabronis has Kirk Cousins, and despite Kirk Cousins' bad game last week, I'm going to give the Oh shit. They're both going up against tough defenses. Um Cam Newton has Minnesota and they've been pretty good lately. Uh Cam Newton is one of those quarterbacks that I feel like isn't necessarily like the easiest to defend. So like even though Minnesota might be able to cover the receivers, he could still run for eighty yards and you're like, well, I guess you know, it doesn't matter how good your quarterbacks are when you're playing Cam Newton. But uh, there's definitely one of the better defenses in the league. And Kirk Cousins has the uh, great secondary of the Chargers to compete with uh, coming off a bad week. Uh, Maybe Kirk Cousins does have that, uh, you know, I throw it to everyone mentality. No receiver has 12 receptions on that team. There's five receivers that have five receptions. So maybe he's able to, you know, pick apart matchups. But I would say they're both tough matchups for the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I live in the, the the D.C. metro area, so I I listen to local you know radio, and things are not happy uh, in in the Redskins locker room right now. Um, players are starting to get snippy with each other. Management is starting to get snippy with players. This has the feeling of a total team implosion during a West Coast trip that they don't want to be on. Um, I mean, the you know, you normally worry about. West Coast teams traveling east play an early game but this is a this is a team that's leaving town and I think they're taking all of their all their problems with them and on top of that they're kind of flying into a, a, a weather situation or a fire situation in Los Angeles right now uh, they may not know exactly where their game is being played yet or or when um, so I, I I, I think this could be a very, very bad game for the for the Redskins. Um, but in Cam Newton's defense, you know, he's he's also playing a really good defense, but he gets them at home.
0: Right. So uh, maybe uh, – yeah. So maybe uh, – I thought it was maybe a push, really, on this QB match. And maybe it's a little bit edge-poppins with Cam, what you said about Washington. But certainly – something that the jabronis is going to need to pick up if he hopes to win this uh, matchup. But we'll move on to the running backs where he definitely has the edge knowing that Kamara only got 6.4 points. Um, He has Leonard Fournette going against a tough defense in Seattle and then Deion Lewis going against the Dolphins. Meanwhile, Poppins had Kamara already go and has Bilal Powell against the uh, struggling Denver Broncos.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing really nice things about Bilal Powell's pr- prospects this week he could have he could have a real big game and <clears throat> speaking of teams that are imploding I think that's the same thing is happening in, in Denver is happening in Washington that that, that, that the coaches lost the locker room or you know management has lost the locker room and they're all just playing for themselves at this point
0: and uh while while you said yeah you, uh, you heard great things about Bilal Powell uh, I'm in New Jersey so I hear New York sports radio all the time even though play New Jersey. Need to, don't need to get into that. The problem with Bilal Powell is not the talent and it is not the way they use him. It's the amount that they use Bilal Powell. They have a 3 headed monster and it's stupid because Bilal Powell is clearly the best back and everybody that's a Jets fan will tell you, oh, why don't we use Bilal Powell more? But instead you're going to keep seeing Elijah Maguire and Matt Forte steal the. Pal's carries, and unless one of them is injured, I still don't feel comfortable starting Pal in any matchup. Good to hear. Just yeah, and I, I'm a big, yeah, and I'm a big Pal fan. Uh, I own him in several leagues that we're in, Fred. Uh, the problem is that it's, it's a timeshare, and you never know who the who's going to come out and do well, and it sucks.
1: Alright, so let's take a quick look here at the... Uh receiver matchups.
0: And, but anyway, but right before we do that, I'm taking the Jabroni, yeah. uh running back matchup. He's going to oh, need to yeah. score significantly more points than uh, Julia's team here to uh, capture win, in my opinion. But uh, even with Fournette's tough matchup, I will take them to outscore uh, Poppins' running backs by 15, 20 points.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's completely set up for it. I mean, you know, we, you know, we know Kamara was already short. And uh, between Fournette, you know, he gets a tough defense in Seattle, but Deion Lewis should run circles, and the rest of the Patriots will just destroy Miami this week. Um, it, and then it's just really a question of, does Deion Lewis get into the end zone or not? I like the, I like his running backs versus hers as well.
0: Okay, Fred, take us into the receivers.
1: Sure. Uh, jabronis have uh, Danny Amendola, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Goodwin, and Golden Tate going up against Poppins, Doug Baldwin, Travis Benjamin, Antonio Brown, and Marvin Jones. So there's a little interesting um, Lions matchup here, you know, who, who, who's Matt Stafford's favorite target this week? Is it going to be Tate or Tater, Marvin Jones? Um, one, of them, one of them will be. You know, it's very rare when they both score similar points in the same week elsewhere, you know, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. Um, I think nobody's talking about his toe anymore. Um, And Robbie Anderson is playing lights out. Um, You can probably give us a little insight on him. Um, Doug Baldwin has a really tough matchup. I I think Russell Wilson's going to have a tough time scoring this week in Jacksonville, but if he does, it's going to be with his legs more than with his arms. And Danny Amendola's once again, tearing up
0: Miami. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it it really comes down to that Detroit uh, matchup that they have. Um, The thing with Robbie Anderson is that he wasn't practicing earlier this week. I don't own him in any league, so I wasn't really following it. Uh, I think Tlaib is back this week for Denver. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some Robbie Anderson. And I know Robbie Anderson hurt himself doing something. So it's Uh, not as good as it usually.
1: Yeah, it's showing hamstring. But it's also saying he practiced fully today.
0: Oh, okay. So maybe the injury isn't really uh, a thing. Wait, I just read something. It would be utterly shocking if Peterman does not start. Is that true? Oh, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, so Peterman's going to start this week. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, fucking crazy. Okay, but anyway, not to get distracted. Uh, so, um, you know, if Doug Baldwin, Baldwin, excuse me, if Doug Baldwin isn't playing Jacksonville. I think uh, Poppins has the advantage here, but because uh, you know of the matchups, it may be closer than I expected.
1: Yeah, and you know, real, you know, this is where you know nobody has any depth in this league or it's hard to get depth in this league where she has to start Travis Benjamin. And going back to what I said about Washington earlier, I think everyone on that team could be in for it, but or everyone on San Diego's team could be in for a great week, but Travis Benjamin hasn't really been putting up numbers himself, has he?
0: Uh, not consistently, a week or two. But uh, the one thing that, you know, is good to note here is both teams don't really have that great depth. But the difference of Antonio Brown being the only real consistent uh, stud in that lineup uh, may be the difference maker in this game. Absolutely. And uh, we'll move into the tight ends where she has Tyler Croft going against Chicago, and the Jabronis has Jermaine Gresham
1: going against Tennessee. Oh no, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of uh, Houston's tight ends. I always get them confused because Houston and Arizona, neither one uses their tight ends right.
0: I mean, I think Houston uses a little more. Yeah, Bruce Arians like never uses tight ends for some reason. He's been using them a little more, but I mean, if if I'm looking at Jabrani's backup tight ends, it's oh, he has Gronk suspended. That's right.
1: Ah, uh, that's the difference. So that may end up being the, the complete difference in this game. Is
0: you know, yeah, and he's got having- some Packers tight. Ends doing nothing <clears> too. So Gresham may be the start. Yeah.
1: And and that's just that's unfortunate. I've got a I've got a Gronk problem in another league this week and um I'm on the hook because I don't really have anything to, to replace him with. And you know the, in this league where there's really no waiver wire there's nothing he can do. It's past the trade deadline.
0: Yeah so I'm gonna give the edge to Croft here and poppins. I probably like him five points more than I like Gresham.
1: Oh, easy. I, I think you can you can pencil in, you know, crop for red zone looks, and you know, maybe you know, fifty fifty for a touchdown.
0: Yeah. So, uh, uh, when it's all said and done, I think it's closer than you know. After we talked about it, but I'm going to take Poppins to win by the home field advantage.
1: Yeah, uh, home field advantage and loss awesome of Gronk, I think, is the the difference here.
0: All right. So, uh, we'll move on to our second matchup between. Hashtag Charlie Work and the Nightman Cometh. Is that the right one? Am I looking at the right that one? Is. Yep. Okay. Uh, just to give you guys up to speed on what is happening right now, hashtag Charlie Work had Muhammad Sanu, the Rutgers alum, go off for 21.3 last night. And um, the Nightman Cometh has a 10-point home field advantage, so Nightman Cometh. Coming into Friday, down eleven point three, but with a full lineup to go.
1: Yeah, that's you know, basically negating it, the home field advantage right from the start. I mean, he's he was projected for eleven eight, and put up twenty one. You're right. You're back to you're back to even.
0: Yeah, it's a new score to touchdown, which definitely helps him. But uh, you know. It's uh, it's a league where you get a guy like Sanu, who probably didn't cost you a lot, be that depth receiver who has been you know pretty consistent for the most part this year, besides what he you know missed a week or two because of injury. And I think those guys that you could, if you can find those guys in this league, to your success. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sanu is the big difference maker this week.
1: Yeah, and you know he's also got uh, Alex Smith playing
0: for him, and.
1: That's flip a coin, you know, which Alex Smith is going to show up? Is it the, the Alex Smith who's game manager, or the Alex Smith who's afraid that Patrick Mahomes is going to take his job and will do anything to keep that from happening?
0: And on the other side, with my man Comet, we have Marcus Mariota who. Hasn't been that great all year. Uh, despite the Titans' success, and it has not been because of their offense. It's been, it's been because of their defense. Mariota might have one game over 20 fantasy points this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing he has going for him here is that he's got the stack with Delhi Walker, who appears to be the only receiver that Mariota has who's doing anything. So at least they can double up if, if they can get a, a red zone look or two. Did I lose you,
0: Fred? I hear you. I I broke up for a second. I, I heard you talk about Delaney Walker's uh, recent success.
1: Very good. Uh, yeah, and to just to compare that to who Charlie Work has, um, he's got uh, Jason Witten playing at tight end, and he's been another feast or famine guy. Um, you know, which Dallas team? Which Dallas team do we have left? Is it, you know? I don't think it's the I don't think it's the Dallas team that played Washington last week is the real Dallas right now. They're they're still struggling. Um but he's been surprisingly consistent all season long. Uh, even on one catch for one, you know, one one catch for one for eight yards and a touchdown last week, but it still gives him almost ten points.
0: True. Sure. And so um what let's, If we're looking at this matchup, what is the biggest difference maker for you? Do you think – Uh, I don't know. Like I like the running backs that uh, Charlie Work has, but they don't stack up to Nightman Cometh, not close. And the question is, can Nightman Cometh receivers match up to Sanu, who already had 21 points, and Thielen, who's been red hot for hashtag Charlie Work? And I I don't think there's enough for Nightman Comet to even win with the home field advantage. Uh,
1: you know I I love Nightman Comet's running backs on paper, but Kareem Hunt hasn't done anything for the last several weeks. Christian McCaffrey's been up and down. He's actually been getting a little bit better, and Le'Veon Bell's playing Baltimore in a game that essentially decides the division. So wow, that's uh, it's tough sledding for 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 him, even though it looks like they should just be stellar um, on the other side, Jordan Howard and Shady McCoy, I think Shady's actually projected for one of his best games of the season. Uh, I've been reading that um, Indianapolis gives up just huge games to every single running back in that should continue again this week. The um, Garrett Blunt, you know, you just hope, you just hope he gets a touchdown, Um gets the you know the short yardage work after all the, everything else is done, and Jordan Howard's another guy, you know, like uh, Kareem Hunt to me. I mean, he's he's not as he's not as explosive, obviously, but he's been a guy who's given you good weeks, but completely disappeared in others. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm looking at those running backs. Those can easily bust out for Charlie Work, which would give an edge to Nightmare Cometh. So maybe, maybe not as uh, far away as I thought. But uh, so uh, after considering all the options on this team, I'm going to take hashtag Charlie Work to beat out Nightmare Cometh by seven points.
1: Very good. I, I, think, I think both of these games reasonably are, are within the, the, the home field advantage margin. Um, and you could see both of both of and Poppins winning because of it.
0: Okay. So, uh, there, there you have our predictions that our playoff preview, uh, maybe next week we'll do, uh, just a playoff preview, keep it nice and short, but, uh, we're going to have two matchups next week too. So we'll talk about the bye teams more if we do that. But, uh, one thing I wanted to discuss before we get off is, uh, Let's talk about the Devies a little bit. Uh I know you don't really as you said earlier, you don't really research it, but um I actually compared all of our Devi picks to where one of the DLF members, Travis May, has has them projected for dynasty rookie drafts. And so I thought it was interesting to see when we took them in the start-off a startup, you know, was it worth it? Mm-hmm. So I will I'll just jump into that quickly for our last segment. Um the, you look at the beginning and it was kind of chalk uh, Pepe Silvia went into tank mode when he used his third round pick on Saquon Barkley but you know he is universally the 101 everywhere so it was the you know he he had to spend that early pick but it worked you look special agent jack bauer got uh, Darius Joyce with the first pick of the 6th round He's gonna be, you know, one of the first running backs taken a- after Barkley. Um, I was able, me, the birds of war, able to get Cortland uh, Sutton at eight ten. I haven't seen him lower than receiver three on people's list. Uh, a lot of people have him as the one or right behind Mister James Washington.
1: And you started, you pretty much opened the floodgates here. I think people were. Not really willing to jump in and take their Debbie pick um, as early as the first two went. but once once you took Cortland, um, it seemed like it was like everybody was like, oh shit, I gotta get
0: one. Yeah, and it's funny because like I was looking here and the the way I drafted, I traded away my fifth pick my sixth pick, and my seventh pick, all for first-round picks in one Mm. way or another. So when I got to this eighth pick, I'm thinking to myself, like, I have Russell Wilson, who I then traded, but I have Zeke, and I have these tight ends. That's all I had at this point. And at this point, I was like, screw it. I'm just going future. I really like this receiver. I don't have any receivers yet. So if I could get a young, you know, possible stud... Could really turn my team around. So that's why I went with Cortland Sutton there. Uh, James Washington wasn't touted to be competing with Sutton. Sutton was kind of the universal one Mm -hmm. when we did this Debbie draft or this draft in general. But it's definitely more of a question. Like, uh, I think a lot of people are taking James Washington now over Cortland Sutton, but they're definitely both uh, good talents. Yeah, I, I
1: actually want to ask you about that because. Given the struggles that rookie receivers have had in the NFL the last couple of years, um, did that give you any pause for taking a wide receiver as your debut pick?
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm kind of always a receiver guy. If, if you look at all my teams across the board, uh, I don't like running backs. I It's a lot of flexes. I'm usually... Receiver heavy. This is one of the leagues where I just didn't take a lot of talent. So you didn't get to see me go receiver heavy. I think my receivers are like Paul Richardson, Malcolm Mitchell, and uh, who else do I have? I don't know. Uh, Kenny Galladay. But um, I do like receivers. I think, you know, uh, it was the draft two years ago that really gave him a bad name. And then this past year with uh, what Corey Davis I wasn't. I wasn't super high on Corey Davis. Uh, I think it's just it's more of an aberration when you have you know, drafts when you have Mike Evans and OBJ uh, early on uh, is something that you don't want to miss out on. And I think Cortland Sutton is actually profiles more of like a Devin Funches or a Julio Jones, where he's just a freak athletically. That's why. I, so to answer your question, I kind of jumped around it. I, I didn't have any pause to take him, especially without any receivers on my team. I took him. He was the next Devi guy. No question, asked. No question to ask. No.
1: One thing. One thing that I think comes into play that maybe didn't get enough attention during the draft, or, or maybe you know everyone has their own you know draft strategies or dynasty strategies, but our scoring system isn't standard here. Um, There's some things that come into play in terms of points per rush and you know, things that, or points per touch even, um, that look like it makes running backs quite a bit more valuable. And and looking at the the Mm -hmm. scoring, you know, from this year so far, there's only two receivers in the top 25 players overall. But we have seven Running backs in the top twenty-seven.
0: Wow, huh, I didn't notice that. That's <laughs> uh, thanks for pointing that out. So if you're listening, this, you're getting the scoop from Fred, who tends to win all of his leagues. So maybe, uh, maybe I was wrong taking a receiver here. But to be honest, I didn't really know many Debbie guys outside the top two guys and then Sutton. But anyway, uh, now that we, you know, you may have divulged a little too much. Hopefully, no one listens for your sake. Uh, I just wanted to highlight some uh, some steals that I felt like people got them too late and then some that got drafted way too early or wasted. And uh, I think the first one, you know, uh, Wild Card, who I think is uh, – Wode.
1: Yeah, that's a stupid uh, –
0: got, got James Washington in the 15th round. Um, it was like the 12th Debbie pick. He stole James Washington here. It was the best Debbie pick, in my opinion. Value-wise, hands down. Uh if you look, if you go a little farther down the next round, uh Nightman coming at the Manhunters got Calvin Ridley, the Alabama receiver, and Deion Kane. Forget where he plays. Uh Clemson? Forget. Uh later on, and they're projected to be receivers that are certainly going to be teams looking in the first three, four rounds in the NFL draft. So, you know, not using an early startup pick, but still getting a great Debbie pick, uh, a good strategy for them there.
1: Um, yeah, those, those are going to pay off for them well. Uh, whether whether they keep these guys or end up, you know, trading them just on, on their names or hype um, for, for, for where they got them, the, the payoff is awesome.
0: Yeah, so they're definitely winners there. Uh, you got Nick Chubb in the ninth round. It's kind of a, it's not there wasn't any great value, but you didn't lose any value. I think that was a solid Debbie pick for you there. And that he should be you he, he was supposed to come out last year, so he's coming out this year, at least Correct. in my opinion. Uh, the, look, a couple duds. Um, hashtag Charlie work definitely had uh, one of the worst Debbie picks in my opinion. He took L.J. Scott the nine Oh five, which was the fourth Debbie pick. He was coming off a really hot year. Um, If he was able to match his production that he did, he would certainly be in consideration, but uh, Michigan state, the offense wasn't as potent as it was last year. And LJ Scott suffered greatly because of it. And that's why, I mean, he's projected to go at like, as a, like a late third, early fourth rounder in this draft, according to Travis may. So, um, good thing is, I think he's a senior, so he, Charlie works to get him on his team and fill in another Debbie spot, but not the best pick.
1: Yeah, the, the problem here is that all of these um, Devi rankings right now are really kind of nebulous because it's just one man's opinion or it's just based on what we've seen this most recent season. You put all these players in Indianapolis in pajamas and let them run around and we'll get some real separation and and more consensus about where these guys belong. Um, you know, there, there were, you know, you look at a guy like Juju last year and he had been considered, you know, going into last season, I think probably as the number one, uh, Debbie receiver, but by the end of the season he had been surpassed by a lot of guys and looking back at it now, you know, after the NFL draft, after, you know, this season, is he back to being the number one rookie receiver again? So I think, you know, it's, it's a little too much of what have you done for me lately and not enough of what is there, what are these, what's the true potential here?
0: Yeah. So um, looking at Debbie players in this league. Uh, A lot of players, which I think were fine picks, like Christian Kirk, uh, St. Brown, the Notre Dame receiver, Um, the quarterbacks that went later, it's fine. You're taking a quarterback there because, uh, you know, you know he's a late-round Debbie guy, but you're not spending much on him. Uh, One interesting one that I want to point out was uh, Poppins, Swan, took Mike Gasecki in the 18th round. He's actually a tight end. Uh, I didn't know much about him until I actually wrote down that she picked Gasecki out at, of at Penn State. And he's actually projected to be the second or third tight end, uh, not a tight end-heavy draft like last year. So um, good find for her. Uh, I, I think he's definitely declaring. So uh, definitely uh, – the only tight end. Only tight end I think that is owned in the Devee. So uh, if you want a tight end, they're all available except for Gasecki. Uh
1: <laughs> Yeah, if if you want to talk about another another owner who seems to do well in every league that she's in, um, you might want to hit, take some notes because uh, this is a t- tight end premium scoring system, and she's building around that.
0: Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, I don't know if she knows Mike Gasecki. State is one of her local colleges, so she might just you know. And which isn't a a worse idea. I mean, if you're in a college area and you know more about one college team than the other, you know who their number one receiver is going to be. You go and you draft him. And you know she waited. She decided to wait on the Devi spot. I think it. You know, hopefully it pans out for her. It's definitely not. It's it's a pick where you're not going to blame someone for taking uh, someone that's going to graduate and get drafted. And that's what brings me into my last point. Is that we have two owners that are almost definitely gonna be stuck with the same uh Debbie pick that they had this year. And uh if I pull up my list, we have uh which has Cam Akers going into his sophomore year at Florida State. I don't think he started this year. So
1: that means he's not even eligible, right?
0: Yeah, if you're going you can't uh declare until after your sophomore year. So no matter what. We're going to have to wait and see on Cam Akers. So this is going to be Philadelphia's second year next year, and there's no guarantee that he comes into the draft, even if he plays well. So this is, this is possibly a two- to four-year project on the number one running back coming as a freshman for Philadelphia. I don't like the strategy. Um, maybe this year you take him with your Debbie pick, but I still don't think he's going to be the number one Debbie pick this year.
1: Yeah, and, and considering <coughs> the way our rules are set up where you can only own a single Debbie player, um, that kind of screwed with me um, because all season long, I was trying to make trades to win now and was wanting to trade away my the rights to Nick Chubb. And nobody talked to me, nobody sent me anything. And I was like, what the hell? Well, it's because once you have a Debbie player, you can't have a second one. And so you you would have to give up your own in a trade or, or drop him to, to make to pick somebody else up. So it makes it, it almost makes these these Debbie picks unmovable in some ways.
0: Yeah, right. Or at least tough because anytime you make a Debbie trade, you're gonna have to evaluate both players and agree on their values, and they're so sporadic and they're not set. So like yeah, I was interested in Nick, Nick Chubb, but then you you would have to trade for my Cortland Sutton, right, who I view right. higher. So it's like, I mean, you would have to get somebody like, I'm, I'm looking at the Debbie list right now, so it might be easier, but like a Nightcrawlers with Bo Scarborough or hashtag Charlie or LJ Scott, who may have given up and say like, my, my Debbie pick isn't going to pan out. Right, yeah so they value much less that would be your targets to trade a, a Debbie prospect too
1: yeah and you know, throughout the season, I didn't pay any attention to who owned which Debbie players or where they were ranked um, because I simply don't follow them all that closely so it it never came into it never came into consideration
0: yeah so um, Besides those, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry is the other guy uh, for Charlie Goes America, who's going to be a junior this coming year. I haven't heard any draft talk with him, but he's he's having a good year, so that might change. And there's he's guys considered
1: like, the number one receiving Debbie player, right? The number one so Harry. Yeah,
0: I don't think so. Okay,
1: he's up there though.
0: Uh, what list are you looking at? I didn't. I didn't people. think he was that high. No.
1: I'd I'd seen his name around all year long, and um, actually, gotcha. I guess I'll have to look up where the hell I found it.
0: I think I think when I looked up his stats, when I was looking at, this he only had four or five touchdowns. Six foot four, two hundred ten pound receiver. So I I didn't see anything. He's only nineteen years old. Uh, yeah, this year he's got eight hundred yards and four touchdowns, nine games. Uh, but uh, just to conclude that uh i don't think he's declaring for this draft so maybe it's not as bad as i'm saying it but just because of our rules it may not work if he doesn't get drafted and that doesn't mean that your guy is gonna get drafted you know injuries happen uh situations happen uh that are out of our control so you just you just kind of hope for the best but i think you know if you're Besides the few names we mentioned, your, your demi pick was fine otherwise. Uh, you're you're going to get a player. You're going to be able to take another player. And uh, we'll have to wait till the NFL season starts next year until we uh, look back at this, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, from, from everyone's perspective at this point, it's just pray your guy survives college ball season. Uh, we've seen way too many guys get hurt in that last game and <clears throat> aren't ready yet. Even you know at the beginning of the, the the NFL season, or you know it hurts their hurts themselves so much that they decide
0: to stay in school an extra year. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. So uh, I think we're ready to wrap up here. I think we're getting close to two hours, so hopefully we didn't bore you guys to death. Uh, do you have any closing uh, closing statements there, Fred?
1: Uh, I think my only closing statement is that I'm playing against House Reed in D ninety six and Really, really, really want to beat him.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you'll never hear the end of it if he beats you. Oh
1: God, it will be it will be terrible.
0: All right, so uh, that does it here for our first ever Charlie McDennis, uh podcast. I would like to thank Fred for coming on and doing this with me. Uh, he helped me uh, put together all the the preview stuff, so uh, uh, I'm thankful that you know I didn't have to do it alone. And uh, hopefully, White Walkers, you're happy with our product here.
1: Uh, It's it's worth everything he paid for it.
0: Yeah, all zero dollars he paid for it. (laughs) But uh, I'm thinking we do at least a playoff preview next week. You know, not long like this. We'll just talk about the two matchups. But, uh, you know, a quick listen will probably be good for everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's not a bad idea. And, you know, Going behind the curtain a little bit here. If you if you want to cut this up and cut out the Debbie discussion, paste it on to the, the playoff discussion next week it, to make these, you know, two slightly closer, you know, length discussions, it might that might work.
0: Yeah, that that that's actually probably a good idea, because this one's probably gonna be a little long. So uh... If, if it doesn't sound different, it's probably the way to go. So yeah, you know what, I'm going to try that. But uh, now you guys know my editing skills, or if I don't have them. So now the pressure's on me. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on the stats, and we'll see how this league turns out. And until then, uh, have a nice day, I guess, or have a nice night. I don't know. When are you listening to this?
1: Brace for the snowstorm.
0: Uh, oh yeah, it's snowing. Good luck. All right. Peace.